As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to One True Pod. Um, I'm Jason Kersey. Max Olson is here with me as always. We're uh, your athletic Big 12 podcasters. Uh, hey, buddy. Here to break down. Da- How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Let's make we, a uh, we, let's do it. Let's, we'll try our best. Um, you know, we only have one game really to talk about from last week, West Virginia, Kansas, which wasn't super exciting. A little bit later in the show, we're going to be joined by Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman. Uh, to talk about Oklahoma State, which is now the uh, clear favorite, I would say, in the, the Big Twelve. The premier program right? in the Big Twelve at the moment. That's right. The yeah. premier program in the Big I'll, Twelve. I'll say this though, Jason, if if the listener thinks we're not going to break down West Virginia, Kansas, they are sorely mistaken. They're sorely mistaken because uh, I've got you some won't notes. Find... I've got some thoughts. Well, then let's let's dive right into it. We'll we'll, we'll get to the, the the top of the league later. Let's dive right into it, Max. Uh, well, we should go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right. West Virginia, 38, Kansas, 17. Uh, I watched this game. I hope you watched this game. It was a slow start for West Virginia, you know, fell behind 10 uh, in the first quarter, but they took care of business from then, uh, held Kansas to 17 total yards on six drives in the second half. Um, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty dominant. I mean, this West Virginia defense you've seen so far, man, like, Number one in the nation now in total defense, tied with Oklahoma State for number one in yards per play. Uh, this defense can play. They're legit, man. They've got really good players. Um, it's so weird, too, to think about you know the old days of West Virginia and, and to think that I mean, defense is kind of their calling card right now. It's pretty wild. But, um, no, they, they look great defensively. And I'll be interested to see how they stack up with some of the better offenses in the league as we go forward. I mean – I, I hate to uh, to to crap on their accomplishments from the weekend, but it was Kansas. Well, that's that's fair. That's fair. But it is a, it is impressive thing what they've done it, with, as a staff. Remember that you know they had to move on from Vic Kenning in, in late July, and when you make a DC change like right before camp like that, that's a uh, you know that's a tough thing to do. But the staff has has kept them on track. Uh, Neil Brown said this week he feels like their their spear nickel Tyke Smith is playing as good as anybody in the country at his position. And, you know, the Tony Fields, Arizona transfer has been really good at linebacker. Um, I've heard really good things about Akeem Mesador, the, the freshman um, and, and that D line with the still brothers, Jeffrey Pooler, uh, Mesador, like it's a, it's a really strong, confident D line. that I think is going to continue to, to cause some problems in the big 12. We saw it at times last season. You saw like they wrecked Baylor and, and had some good games, but, um, I, I, I think some of the things we're seeing from that defense, I think are, you know, they, they, they held Oklahoma state to 27, which I think will end up looking like a pretty good accomplishment. You hold Baylor to 14 in regulation. Um, the defense itself only gave up 10 against can. I mean, I think this is a pretty, pretty serious defense that, um, is going to keep them in games this year. You know, West Virginia, for people who don't follow them closely, Max, and I know that you do, um, you know, how did the... Can you kind of take us through, I guess, the way this program has evolved the last few years? I mean, Dana Holgerson is there two years ago. 
they're one, they're three points they're on the from doorstep. getting into the Big 12 championship game. If not and then for last Kyler Murray and, and uh, you remember the uh, the penalty call on the blocking too hard out of bounds. There was that. There was that. There were a couple of defensive touchdowns for OU, yep. which don't happen very often no. in that game. I, I, I guess I'm just thinking back on that team that was this close to being right. in the Big 12 championship game. And it feels like Neil Brown's got them in a good place. Yeah, you know when you when you that Will Greer David Sills team that that had all those NFL players was you're, like you said they were so close and you knew it was going to be kind of a hard reset after that and I think that's part of why what Dane Holgerson you know wanted to uh, take on a new challenge at Houston but I remember visiting with Neil Brown um, in his first spring there and he you know he felt really confident he said you know we're going to be really good I just don't know when because it's you know it's it's a tough thing to. Um, you know, take a program that's been successful and say, look, we're not trying to erase all the things you guys do here, but this is our culture and our way of doing things that we want to, you know, implement here and, and, and we want to bring our players here in and all that. And so, um, you know, it's been a process, but I think you saw them get better over the course of 19 and, and be, you know, pretty competitive in November. And I think that's carried over. And I wrote about them during, during the preseason, about just all the steps and all the things that, that Neil Brown and his staff did to account for COVID and try and be really smart and strategic and in, in trying to avoid outbreaks in their program. Um, and they've had a lot of success with that. And look, it's it's paying off. And, and you know, you've, you take that defense, you take what Letty Brown's doing as the number two rusher in the Big 12 right now. Um, and you look at the schedule ahead, like West Virginia's three and one. They're going to Texas Tech this week. Then they play K-State. Um they're three point favorites on the road this week. And, you know, I mean, you look at it like if they can get to five and one, that's a that's a pretty impressive year two step for them. Not the, it's a gauntlet after that. Texas, TCU, Oklahoma, Iowa State. I mean, that's a that's the final month. So that's brutal. But I give this staff a ton of credit. I mean, they've definitely, you know, gotten legitimately better. Yeah, uh, uh, definitely a backloaded schedule. Yeah, they're a three-point favorite, Texas Tech. We'll get into our picks a little bit later, but I, I actually was a little surprised that line was, yeah. was what it was. I figured they'd – I actually thought they'd be a bigger favorite. I don't know if um, – Interesting. Do you, do, you disagree, do you disagree? I mean, that's a tough trip. It's a tough trip going to Lubbock. It is. And, um, you know, I think that where the level of play in the Big 12 is right now, you'd say it's hard, hard to, you know, hard to be a road favorite um, in a lot of these games, but – yeah, it's, it, sh- it definitely is, it shows some doubt um, that Vegas has in, in where Texas Tech is right now and, and the issues they're they're working with. But um, that's an interesting game. And, and then certainly it's right now it's an interesting time for Kansas coming off that West Virginia game, right? Yeah, that and that leads us right into the big news from the Big 12 this week uh, from Kansas. Puka Williams, you know, one of the best players, uh, one of the certainly one of the best offensive players in the league, has opted out after after a few games. Now, I do have to say that I I'm fine with what Puka Williams has done because the, his last act was getting me a win against the spread <laughs> and and giving me one and giving me an extra game on you because I'm so far behind. Um, literally, the kickoff return with what three minutes left uh, allowed Kansas to cover. So thank you to well, Puka for okay, that. that's garbage though because when we taped the podcast, what was the line like twenty two and a half? And then yeah. it moved to 21, and that was a push, okay? So that was a push, and, and that that shouldn't nah. be an L for me, but I, I guess I have to take it. No, no, it counts. It counts. But, okay, all seriousness. I mean, sir, and we, we need to yeah. praise you, okay? You you went Kansas plus, plus 22 and a half, and uh, you are you. a hero for your bravery. All, all I want is your approval and for you to <laughs> praise me, so... Like mission accomplished, but seriously, Puka Williams opting out is a, is a big deal. And his his cheeks are turning red right now. He's he's really happy. <laughs> um, but I mean, can, can, talking about Puka Williams, I mean, what what does this mean for Kansas? I mean, they the one guy they had that I think everybody knew in the league is now gone. He's rushed for almost four hundred yards in the last two years against OU. Just just OU. I mean, what does this what does this mean in the big picture? Yeah, it's it's a big loss. There's no really no other way to spin it. Um, you know, you saw how phenomenal he was as a freshman. You remember that game, that first time you saw him against Oklahoma, Jason. They they almost won. I mean, he he single-handedly gave him a chance to win that game. That was when I think he, they'd already fired Mike Stoops, but that was when the OU defense completely bottomed out when 
and it's nothing against Puka Williams, but when they gave up 40 points to Kansas, that's, I think, when it when it officially bottomed out. Yeah, he and, and in that year, you know, you look at there's been a little bit of a split. Um, that first year under under Dave Beatty there, he, you know, Puka Williams averaged 7.3 yards per touch on offense. You know, since Les Miles took over, a little bit less effective, 5.2 yards per touch on offense. Part of that's, you know, OC changes and kind of trying to get that offensive identity figured out and, and not really totally – um, having consistent play at quarterback, um, you know, so that that's a challenge. But, you know, clearly this is not about football and the wins and losses. This is about, you know, his his family dealing with some health issues and him needing to get back home to Louisiana. So uh, certainly wish him the best. And, uh, you know, very curious what his future is. Is he somebody who feels like, you know, being the very dynamic um, but but undersized, obviously, back do you feel like you're ready to jump into the NFL or, or are you, you know, coming back or transferring? I think he, I'm very curious to see what's next for him. Yeah. I mean, have we gotten any indication of that? I mean, he had his tweet, but I I haven't really seen much else. uh, No, I think he's just focusing on the family part right now. Um, You know, I, and, and it's a tough, it's a tough deal. You know, everybody's going through things right now. And and so I think you, you just focus on that and, and work out the future after that. You know, in the short term here for Kansas, I think it's a heavier workload for for Velton Gardner. And he, you know, he's actually outrushed Puka Williams this year, um, you know, to this point. Now, Kansas is number nine in the Big 12 in rushing. So, you know, that, they need to get some consistency there to to help out whoever's playing at quarterback. It looks like it's going to be Miles Kendrick again this week because, you know, the rest of that group is dealing with some injuries right now. But uh, Velton Garner is a pretty good player, and I think it, it puts a bigger spotlight on him. Um, and and certainly they need to figure out how to balance out that offense. Yeah. Um, uh, moving into, I guess, because there was only one game for us to review, I guess it's time to shift maybe into a little bit of preview mode. We've got a Onward. huge matchup this week with Big 12 title implications um, with Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, we're going to get a little bit more into them later with uh, – with Barry Trammell, but they're number six in the newest AP poll. Um, but they also haven't played in a couple weeks. Um, they, they had a game postponed. Uh, they, they've had their quarterback injured. It's been a really interesting, really last like several months for Oklahoma State. But now they're um, they're hosting Iowa State, a team that's really hot right now. Um, th- this is a game I'm really excited to watch. Yeah, Jason, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting more into this topic with Barry uh, when he's coming up here. But do you feel like you have a good sense of just how good this Oklahoma State team is? Not, I don't know. It's it's really hard to say because before the season, I was very high on them. Um, I, I in, when I picked uh, the league, I picked them and OU to be in the Big Twelve title game. Uh, they have so much talent, um, but you know, with Spencer Sanders being injured, I think that sort of is, has made for some interesting, uh, you know. It's been interesting to watch them try to uh, work around that. Uh, Chuba Hubbard's had a little bit of a fumble problem this year, which I think is really interesting because uh, I think he's a great running back. I love watching him play, but I'm not sure he's been the best running back on the team this year with LD LD Brown. He's he's been really good. Um, they've they've got and they've got such a good defense. I I mean I'm still very intrigued by this team. I just don't know what to make of them, I think, until Spencer Sanders comes back. Until we see what this offense looks like with him healthy, I don't I don't know what I really think. I mean, they're they're the clear favorite in the league right now, right? I mean, they have to be. Uh, they're number six in the country, but I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know, and, and I, I'm interested to find out more. I think we'll find out a ton about them this weekend. Yeah, and that's one thing Mike Gundy pointed out in the teleconference this week is that, you know, they're about to play uh, Brock Purdy and Sam Ellinger kind of back-to-back weeks here. And I think that tells them a lot more about just how dom- you know dominant that defense really is. I mean, right now it's in very good shape. They're giving up nine points a game. They're top ten in passing defense and rushing defense in terms of yards per play. Um, and that defense has got some real playmakers. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't look at what they've done and say, oh, well, they've only played KU in West Virginia. I think they're, I think it's good. It's just it's hard. I think we're about to find out with this – you know, the, the Baylor game would have been a good tune-up, I think, in terms of assessing where they're at. And you lose that, and, and now you've had the, all of this time off. Um, but one thing's for sure, like, this is going to be a very watchable game. I mean, the, it's they've played some really tight games. Uh, it was it was tight last year in Ames. 
It was a 48-42 game in 2018 that, that Iowa State won in Brock Purdy's kind of surprise debut start. And the year before that, a 49-42 game that Oklahoma State won. So uh, Iowa State's made these very competitive games under Matt Campbell. And, um, you know, look, <laughs> I, I'd i love to see – if Iowa State gets this done and they beat an un- unbeaten team on the road, like, don't you kind of have to put them in the top ten? I was just thinking that as you were saying that because – I. I think you do. I mean, the the first week was was not great for them, but I mean, do they get? But a they also lost to that? like a top thirty team too, right? You know? Right, 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 totally. But also, is that something that at the end of the, if they end up winning the Big Twelve with that at being their one loss, I'll be real interested to see how the committee views that. I mean, they oh, I mean, they swept the Big Twelve if that's yeah, the case. Yeah, you know, I mean, totally, yeah, totally. Right. And 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 I think. I don't think it's crazy to say they can do that. I think they can do that. I think they're good enough. But um, and and the but, fact that other leagues haven't had non-conference games means like how much do you really count that against them too? You know, when you're kind of going comparative resumes and stuff like that. But well, that's an I, interesting point that I hadn't really thought about. Well, you know, the, here's I'll, I'll say this though. Like I'm I'm already like pre mad about how many Big Ten teams are going to move up in this AP poll after this first weekend for them. Cause, like you can't put. You know, if Wisconsin beats Illinois and they're one and zero, like you're really going to put them ahead of Iowa State when or, or Oklahoma State if they've you know we've seen them play that much and you can't put a one and zero Michigan ahead of Iowa State. I think they if will. Iowa State wins this weekend, but they will. They will. They will. And it's going to be really annoying, and I'm going to be mad about it just like you are, and we'll bitch about it next week. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, it's <laughs> frustrating. I you know the certainly. I'm excited for that game. I'm excited. I wish I, were, I thought about covering that game. I, I wish I, I wish wish I was going to be in Stillwater for that one. Um, excited to see, and I think that's the premier game for sure this weekend. Um, I think followed closely by I don't know what do, what do you like as the maybe the second best game of the week here in the Big Twelve. Ooh, um, I mean, I I kind of think it probably has to be Oklahoma TCU. Yeah, um, and because. TCU was a team that just two weeks ago I was picking to be in the Big 12 championship game. And <laughs> uh, then maybe maybe they still will. But um, it's it's an interesting matchup because did OU find something in, in Dallas two weeks ago that maybe can propel them forward? Um, you know, TCU has not been an easy place for OU to play. They've, they've played some really tight games there through the years. Um, and Gary Patterson is a is a great, great coach, and I don't think that you can ever underestimate them. So I guess I'd probably have to say uh, OUTCU, although, I mean, I could see Baylor-Texas being being interesting. I think West Virginia-Texas Tech could be could be interesting. It's a, it's not a bad week, really, for, for the conference. Yeah, what's, what's the biggest thing you want to see from this Oklahoma-TCU game? Um, well, from the OU side, I, I really want to see what Alex Grinch does with, with his young guys. I mean, this is a... Uh, a team with a lot of young defensive talent that they haven't felt comfortable putting into the games much. DJ Graham, um, Joshua Eaton, Bryson Washington, Woody Washington. We've seen a little bit more of that against Texas. Woody Washington made a really big interception. some plays against Texas, for sure. He's a good player. I think that you could make the case that he should maybe be starting. But uh, after an open date, I wonder if maybe they'll get some more of those guys involved, see how they play against against Max Duggan, who I think is a really good quarterback and um, in, in a tough environment. So I, I guess that I'm obviously interested to see how Spencer Rattler plays um, uh, coming off being benched two weeks ago. Uh, you know, regardless of how Lincoln Riley wants to characterize it, I think that was pretty obviously a benching <laughs> that, that, that happened. So, um, so there's that. And then I kind of want to see mm-hmm. how TCU bounces back from, from a loss. I still think that's a really talented, good team. Yeah. Um, so and and I also think both teams are very much still in the Big Twelve championship race. Do we should we talk about the the tiebreaker procedures that we found out about this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring this up. So this is something that um, came up in your mailbag this week from uh, a very astute reader um, of the Athletic, which all of our readers are. Um, yes. Explain kind of the process you went through this week of trying to figure out what the hell happens. Uh, when the Big 12 gets into some, uh, you know, tiebreaker oddities later this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah. Well, uh, credit, full credit to Scott D who asked the question. I hope he's also a one true pod listener because that was a great question. Um, so basically what Scott was wondering was, uh, what are the tie breaking procedures for the big 12, which they're pretty standard and easy to understand in a non COVID year. Basically it's just winning percentage. Everybody plays everybody top two teams, with the best wing percentage, make it. And if there's a head-to-head right. conflict, the winner of the head-to-head makes it in. Pretty pretty easy to, to figure out there. And it's important to establish the the winner of the head-to-head is 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 the team because, you know, the TCU-Baylor thing, that, that kind of, we didn't put that in writing. So now that's in writing. Yeah, Baylor got screwed. I'll go to my grave saying Baylor got screwed um, that year. But anyway, uh, so... TCU's the better team. Keep going. Then they should have won the game uh, when they played. But... Uh, uh, <laughs> Anyway, before we go way off there, so Scott was wondering, in a year where games might get canceled, because there's still a chance that games will get canceled. We know we've already seen one postponed, Baylor and Oklahoma State. Uh, They're going to run out of days to put those rescheduled games on at some point. So there's a very good chance we end up with an unbalanced schedule. So he was wondering, what are the rules if, for example, OU beats OSU, but OU loses a game and finishes 6-2, where OSU 7-2 OU has the head-to-head. OSU's winning percentage would be better because they played one more game. And winning percentage is what it, uh, the league's uh, tiebreaker procedures, as outlined on their website, uh, say. So I, I reached out to the Big 12, and basically they're doing something very similar to what I think other leagues are doing, which is mm-hmm. – uh, and, and now this is on their website, so people can go read it. But it's also in my With mailbag. examples. With, with three different examples with, to explain with examples. how this works. Thank yeah. you, Big 12. Yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, the way that it works, for anyone curious, is they will take the average number of conference games played um, and round it up or down uh, to, you know, to whatever. Um, so, for example, if and then to qualify for the Big 12 championship game, uh, a team has to have played no fewer than one fewer games than the average. So if the average for the league is eight, if you've played seven conference games, you at least you are eligible for the Big right. 12 championship game. And then then head-to-head comes into play. So in the scenario that Scott describes, despite OU having a uh, lower winning percentage, they would meet the threshold, and by virtue of head-to-head, they would get in. So that's how that works. It's a really interesting question, and I'm a little bit embarrassed that I hadn't thought about it, but I hadn't. And uh, I'm glad we now have answers on that because that could get kind of messy by the end of the year. Given the history, the long history of the Big 12, um, it does bend towards oddity. I think there's there's a chance that it's good that they put that in writing on the website. And, you know, as you mentioned, um, the December 12th date, was sort of bookmarked as a, Hey, if anybody needs to move that here's the open date for everybody. Um, but if that fills up and there's a ton of games that weekend, then yeah, there may be some chances where a team plays eight conference games instead of nine. And, uh, that's going to, that's going to lead to some controversy and some, some difficulty in, in, uh, in comparing them for sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, We've got, uh, you know, the t- we mentioned it a little bit earlier with the Texas-Baylor game. I-, I think we should probably dive into a little bit of what- what's been going on uh, down there. Uh, we talked a lot about this stuff, uh, you know, last week. But, uh, Max, what what is going on in Austin right now? Yeah, Jason, I, I wrote about this issue uh, this week on The Athletic, and, and any of our-, our listeners who missed it can, can read about this. Uh, the story came out Tuesday afternoon. Um you know the eyes of Texas deal uh, continues to uh, continues to linger. It's kind of an ongoing, uh, tense issue. Uh, you know, with with that you know athletic department and university basically 
um, wrote kind of all about that. You know, it's 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 as as we talked about quite a bit with Onmar on last week's podcast. Um, it's it's an issue that that a lot of really you know it's made a lot of fans and and boosters angry and and Texas is trying to figure out a way to get this whole thing to calm down. And so you know Tom Herman kind of reiterated that uh, they are going to you know they've continued to ask their Texas players to you know they've encouraged them to stand with their team for the the eyes of Texas at the end of games um, as a thank you to the fan base and the university and, and showing your your respect and appreciation for them. Uh, Chris Delcani met with the team last week and told them that this is what he considers a requirement of, of, you know, being at Texas. And so uh, they've said this is not mandatory, uh, but certainly very, very highly encouraged. And, and there's definitely, I think, um, you know, some pressure now on, on, on Texas players to follow through and do that. And, and so we'll see on, on Saturday night, how they choose to handle um, this this post game deal after after the Baylor game uh, it came out today from the Daily Texan credit to them that the Texas band uh, is is not comfortable playing at games until this issue gets resolved either so um, we'll see if if this will kind of finally calm down um, on on Saturday night or if this is going to continue to to linger Sam Ellinger uh, said he's going to stand and it, because it means so much to him being a lifelong Longhorn fan but he said he's he's certainly tired of the politics. And just wants wants to get back to focusing on on the season and trying to win. And Max, this is such a complicated uh, situation, and, and it's one of those things that's kind of going on all around the country. At Texas is going to get a lot of attention because of the song and and because they're Texas. Um, but you know, I think this is really difficult for people like Chris Delcani because there are generations of Texas fans and boosters that have sung that song. Don't think they, that there's anything wrong with it. And certainly don't think that they're doing anything racist. Whereas the players certainly have their feelings and, and those are very valid as well. Um, right. and, and you see this stuff playing out everywhere uh, around the country. I know at OU, uh, there's a sizable portion of the fan base that's uncomfortable with uh, the Black Lives Matter stickers on on their jerseys or the patches on their jerseys. There, uh, There's the whole situation that happened with Chuba Hubbard and, and Mike Gundy over the summer at Oklahoma State. I mean, um, these issues aren't these going are, away. Yeah, and they're, and they're sensitive issues. There's not, there's not some, um, in the case of Texas specifically, there's not just some uh, simple, you know, easy way to, to kind of have a peaceful resolution of this. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's tough. And, and I think that, um, you know, I can understand Texas players, some of them saying, look, that, this is not like we're just trying to get better. We're trying to focus on the season and not um, let this thing kind of rip things apart. And, and I will say that that's been the message throughout this week from from Tom Herman and his players is like, this is not a splintered team right now. This is not. Uh, a, a problem that's going to ruin our season, but um, you know certainly it, it brings an even brighter spotlight to a Texas team that's two and two, and, and certainly not where they want to be. Yeah, uh, absolutely. What a what a mess of a season this has been for Texas in so many ways, and and uh, in a year. And then the team they're playing this week is Baylor, who you know I think right. Uh, we're, hopefully, they have uh, the right number of players to play this game on Saturday. You know, they're they're <laughs> like this is just where we're at. This is two programs dealing with some some pretty serious stuff right now. You know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, look, if Baylor can't play, they've already got a game now on December twelfth, like we talked about earlier. I mean, I, I don't know how they squeeze this game in. I mean, I guess I'd have to look at the schedule and see if they yeah, have. Yeah, it would take some rearranging uh, yeah. for sure. And we've seen some of that happen in some other leagues. But, you know, I will say, you know, right now, uh, Mac Rhodes has said they feel like they, they, they say they're feeling good about playing, that, um, you know, their numbers they released on Monday for their athletic department was, you know, 15 active cases and 10 more that are, you know, being monitored because of contact tracing. Um, don't know how many of those specifically are football, but they said they had zero new positives on Sunday. Um, so they they feel like this game's, you know, they're in good shape. But as we know, it's it's hard to sit here on Wednesday and, and predict how how that final test goes on Friday. Yeah, we're we're just gonna have to wait and see. But we're uh, we here on One True Pod are gonna be optimistic and assume yep. that they're gonna play. And so let's get let's go into our picks and then we'll we'll bring in Barry. Uh, that sound good, Max? Absolutely. All right, let's 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 go through this. And as I try to catch up, I'm it looks like three games behind you right now. That's manageable. We got this is a long season. I, I'm coming back. I'm coming. Well, here's through. look. Here's here's your first chance to get right. Okay. It, you could pick Kansas plus 19 and a half at Kansas state. I mean, that's, 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 that's where you start, right? 
uh, do I want to do that again? Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I got lucky last time. I, I feel I could be sort of uh, uh, risky. Do you, do you want me to talk you into it? I can try and talk you into it here. Give, so me, give, give me your is, best te- case right now. I want to hear it. Okay. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, K-State's playing a freshman quarterback in Will Howard. And this is, um, you know, this is a big start for him. Um, this is a, a Kansas State is obviously got a lot of um, hype and, and good vibes right now. But, you know, maybe with with how the conference is and, and the parity there is, maybe this is one of those weeks where you're a little bit inconsistent. I don't know. They've had two weeks to get ready for Kansas. That probably is a big advantage for them. Uh, but freshman quarterback, uh, maybe, maybe there's a, a couple turnovers and that makes it a tighter game. But he's a freshman quarterback uh, who is one and zero right now as a starter. That's so, true. So that's true against a much better team than Kansas, right? But that was a low-scoring, close game with TCU. It was. It was. Um, I'm still going to go with K State. I'm going to stick with the Wildcats. I, I've basically since seeing them in person, I've been pretty high on them. So I, I'm going to go Kansas State to cover the 19 and a half. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do the same. Okay. All right. So. So you were just playing uh, devil's advocate there. I was really trying to talk you into it, but I I, I could have been more. I should have done more research and, and brought like a whole a whole argument. I was just I was just winging it there. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So we both we both like the Wildcats. Uh, Oklahoma TCU. Uh, the game. I'll be at that game. Um, Oklahoma is a six and a half point favorite. I'm gonna let you go first this time, Max. Um. Yeah, I like Oklahoma. I think the the six and a half is a good like it's a good interesting number here. Um, I think OU will cover that. Um, you know, it's hard with with how with how that last game went. Like you know, usually when we we cover Red River, Jason, we we talk about kind of that game being a springboard for whoever wins it. And you know, is that the case for OU? I mean, you've had a week to recover after just a physically exhausting ball game. Um, and, and try to kind of get back on track there. I don't know, like having that week off was, is huge, I think, in terms of, of getting better and getting getting healthy and all that. But um, I, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of think OU is going to come out in, in kind of ass-kicking mode, I think, in this game. Um, but as we've seen, I mean, it's hard to feel really great that they're just going to roll right now. I mean, that's just kind of not where they're at as a team. I think they're going to improve and... They will win some, some you know, potentially some blowout games at, at some point here. But, I mean, do you feel good about – I can see them winning by seven, but do you do you see them winning by two scores in this game? Um, I don't. I think they can win the game. Uh, I think they maybe will win the game. But I, I'm going to actually pick TCU to cover the six and a half. And here's the reason. Okay. I agree with you that – uh, OU is going to come out in ass kicking mode. I can totally see that the week after OU Texas or two weeks after OU Texas, right. uh, coming out, getting a big lead. Um, however, uh, OU is a horrible fourth quarter team right now, horrible second half team right now. Um, in, in fact, I can, uh, I can tell you that, <laughs> that, uh, cause I just looked it up, uh, yesterday, uh, in the three FBS games OU has played this year. They're beating opponents twenty-seven to three in the first quarter and outgaining them four seventy-eight to one eighty-nine in the fourth quarter. Opponents are outscoring OU forty-five to ten. Um, wow! And so, yeah. so, for, so it, when I look they've, at they've it, they've allowed a bunch of comebacks. There's yeah. no doubt about that. So when I see it, I I don't think it was. Com- I, I think it's completely, maybe even probable that OU will take a two or three touchdown lead in the first half. And TCU will come back, and it's going to be a really close game. So I, I think OU will win, but I think TCU will cover. Well, and that's you know when you think about the series history here too, Jason. I mean, we've we've seen a bunch of those games with TCU and Oklahoma. So yeah, I, where it came down to you know a, a late rally or something like that. So probably a good pick on your part. I'll take OU, and I definitely might be wrong about that. Well, we we will uh, we will see. I mean, shoot, I, my track record this year isn't great, so you're probably right. Um, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Again, we're going to talk about this game a little bit more with Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman. But uh, for now, for our picks, uh, Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is a three and a half point favorite in Stillwater. Um, I am going to pick Iowa State. I think they're going to. I'm going to pick Iowa State to win, uh, and, and then obviously cover. Um, and 
I don't know if it's a if there's a little like deep seated bias for me because I've seen Iowa State in person. I don't know if and saw them play really well. I don't know if that makes a difference for me uh, when I make this pick because I'm still very high on Oklahoma State too. Yeah. But um, but Iowa State and Oklahoma State play tight games all the time. Oklahoma State is not a an especially great home team. Oddly enough, they they seem to mm-hmm. lose a lot of these kinds of games at home. Um, so I'm I'm going to take the Cyclones. I like it. Um, I think I'm I'm going to do the same. Um, it's I, I don't think that this will be a super high scoring game. I, I kind of think that that Oklahoma State, with where they're at defensively, is going to have some pretty solid answers for Brees Hall and 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 put Brock Purdy in some you know pressure situations on third downs and stuff. But um, yeah, I kind of like this Iowa State team to go down. I oh man, I don't know if I'm willing to say straight up, but I I think that three I, I think that it's going to be uh, three or closer. I think so. Yeah, I I, I think that. Ah hell, I'll I'll go for the I'll go for the straight up upset. Yeah, I I think I think they can get it done in, in Stillwater. Um, I I think this is going to be just a hell of a game. Um, because yeah. I think they match up pretty well. Um, and I think you've seen when they've played the past couple of years, the playmakers really come out and, and, and stand out. But I think these defenses are both in good enough shape that I don't think it turns into a shootout. I think this is one of those games we could look back on when the season's over and say it was one of the games of the year. I don't know if it's going to top Red River a couple of weeks ago just with all the craziness and the four overtimes yep. and, and that kind of stuff. But I think that it, it could end up being one of the best one of the best Big 12 games of the year. You're not making it very easy for me to catch up with you, by the way. <laughs> um well, how about this? How about this? Okay. Yeah. This next one, I'm going to take Baylor plus eight and a half at Texas. Okay. All right. Why? Why? why you want to uh, get on the other side of that? I want to hear you your wanna... reasons. I just, you know, I I just think that. Uh, well, first of all, Baylor really outplayed Texas last year, and I think that's worth worth considering. Um, but even though, even with a different staff and all the you know the delays Baylor's had and all that kind of stuff. I just don't really think we're at the point here where we can count on Texas to go play their best ball and go beat a team by, you know, 14 or 20 points or anything. I just think they're going to keep playing really, really close ball games. Um, and until they figure out how to do a better job of playing to their strengths um, and, and, and um, offensively, I, I and, and kind of establish that run game, which they say they've improved that over the last two weeks. I guess we'll see. But um, I think Baylor's going to have some good answers for them in terms of Baylor's defense, and I think it's a close game. Well, you, uh, I was going to take Baylor, um, and and now I feel like I can't because I got to catch up with you. Um, <laughs> so now I'm going to manufacture reasons to go against my gut. Um, you don't have to do that. No, it's a I, long no. season, buddy. There's plenty of time for you to catch up. But I want to, so I'm hook them. Okay, I'm throwing my horns up right now. Wow, um, for peace. I, I'm horns up for peace. I'm taking Texas, uh, even though I was going to do the opposite a minute and a half ago. <laughs> um, no, I mean <laughs> let, let's let's. I mean it could very easily. Texas is a uh, is a very talented team. Sam Ellinger is a very good quarterback. We saw um, the way that he sort of loaded that team on his back a couple weeks ago and 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 made that a game basically single handedly. The game's in Austin. Um, Baylor's dealt with all this other stuff. Uh, give me Texas plus uh, minus eight and a half. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, look I'll at that. It. Look I'm, at that confidence. I'm not even going to feel bad about it. And I'm Texas. I mean, look, it, you can, you can, I, I totally get that. You can look at this and say, Texas really, really needs this win. They just really do. And so maybe that level of desperation shows up in um, a much stronger, you know, first half performance from them than we saw in, in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, I, I think you could definitely talk yourself into that. Yeah. Well, I just as did. you just did. I just did. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm going Longhorns. Last Good game. Good job by you. Thank you. Uh, last game, West Virginia at Texas Tech. I already kind of made my position known on this when I said I thought the line should be a little bit bigger on the West Virginia side. So I, I think West Virginia is just a better team. I, I really like their defense, and uh, yeah, I, I think I, I just don't I don't love what I've seen from Texas Tech so far this year. Outside of I guess the way they played for a lot of the Texas game. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, they had their moments against Texas, um, and you know, I could see that. I could see that. You know, maybe giving you some hope here. The switch to Henry Columbia this week, the Utah State transfer at quarterback. 
interested to see what difference that makes for them offensively now that they kind of have finally made a switch and and it seems like we'll see if they stick with it. Um, I, I'm with you. I think West Virginia covers um, the, the three points. And um, I just kind of I, I like where they're at right now. I, ju- I just think that the the quality of defense they're playing and, and, and the way that they're running the ball, um, that's exactly how Neil Brown wants to play to win games. And, and they're doing that at a pretty high level right now. I, I think, and I thought it at the time, and, and now as I've seen sort of how he's built the program, I love the Neil Brown hire at West Virginia. I mean, I, I, yeah. liked, I liked it then, and I, I kind of love it now. I think it was a really terrific hire by them. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's really sharp, and uh, they're, they're just getting started there. I think they're going to continue to, you know, it, it's, a, it's, we've seen it a bunch, right? I mean, they're trying to build it in, in a lot of some ways that we've seen from Iowa State and Kansas State of just being that team that, um, can be really physical, and nobody wants to play them, and, and they're going to play a ton of close ball games. And I think they're they're definitely heading in the right direction. All right, so now let's move into our interview with Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman to talk about the number six ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Max, fun fact about our next guest, uh, or our guest today, before he was uh, the preeminent voice in Oklahoma sports media, Barry Trammell covered Noble High School football for the Norman Transcript and a quarterback named Randy Kersey. My dad. <laughs> Today, Barry is a sports columnist at the Oklahoman. We were colleagues for many years. He remains a very good friend. Barry, welcome to One True Pod. Well, thanks for having me. I, you know, I went back to I went to a game at Noble this year. I got a friend playing guard for the Bears, and I stood with uh, Randy Kersey, watched a good chunk of the game. So, good times at uh, under the Friday night lights. That's great. That's great. Uh, he's going to be thrilled that we talked about him on this podcast. So, um, Barry, first of all, before we get into Oklahoma State, it sounds like you're having a great time up there in New England. Thank you for interrupting your vacation for us. But tell us about uh, your trip. It sounds awesome. Well, um, you know, we, I've, been, uh, I've been in the business 42 years. And my, my uh, falls, my autumns are all filled with football, as you guys know. and. Um, you know, uh, 40 of those years, I've been married to the world's greatest woman and she's always wanted to do a, a foliage tour and that doesn't jibe with the, uh, with the gridiron, but lo and behold, we have the pandemic, the schedule gets all messed up. Big 12 redoes it. We end up with a, uh, with an October 17th where OU's off and OSU's in Waco. And I told, I told Trish the dish, I said, listen, Let's just go to New England. So we scheduled a vacation, and then I didn't even miss an OSU Baylor game because uh, that got postponed. So we've been up we've been up here a week, having the time of our life. Well, that's fantastic. Um, I'm I'm sure it's going to uh, be bittersweet to get back to it here. But uh, want to talk to you about the the Pokes. You know, the last time they were ranked this high was the 2017 season, and then they that week they lost at home to TCU. Um, it's 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 a little different uh, the way that they've gone about getting to uh, be a number seven ranked team with only having played three games. Do you feel like at this point, Barry, you have a good sense of just how good Oklahoma State is? Not really for this reason. Um, they have not played anything near the top of the Big 12. West Virginia looks decent, but Kansas is terrible. That's their two Big 12 games. And Tulsa, uh, you know, scared the daylights out of OSU. Now, Tulsa's only other game this year. They, they beat Central Florida. So, I think Tulsa may be a decent squad. But we still don't know a lot about Oklahoma State. What you got to like, though, is this. They had 10 starters back on defense, and the defense has played great. Played great against Tulsa. Played great against West Virginia. Everybody plays great against Kansas. So, um you sort of have a belief that this defense, which was decent last year, sort of middle of the road, big 12, this defense is going to be among the best in the big 12. So now what happens with the offense? Well, offense is always something you can count on in Stillwater. They've muddled through three games offensively. You know, they look good against Kansas, but it's so, so against uh, West Virginia, not very good against Tulsa, but that's with the freshman quarterback, Shane Illingworth. When Spencer Sanders returns, I assume he's going to be back Saturday against Iowa State. You know, I believe that offense will get going and will be maybe not what we've seen in the past, but you don't have to be too far from that to be really good. So I like everything I see about this OSU team. I just I want to see what the offense is going to be like 
when Spencer Sanders returns from that ankle injury? Yeah, I mean, sp- speaking of that, I mean, Shane, Shane Ellingworth uh, comes into the game and, and helps them beat Tulsa. They, they seem to have found a good backup. We, we've seen in the past that Spencer Sanders can be a little turnover prone. I mean, how do you think they're going to manage this? Well, I think there's too much optimism over Shane Ellingworth. I mean, I think as soon as Span- I think as soon as Sanders is, is ready to go, and I think he is ready to go, I think it's his job. Um, I think uh, the offense has been pretty limited with Illingworth. Uh, he's done a great job in, in, with, that, with those limitations. But, you know, Spencer Sanders is pretty, was pretty good last year and has the chance to be extra special, I think, with his ability to run and throw. You're right, the turnovers are a big problem. But, you know, that, that's not necessarily uh, out of the ordinary for, for first-year quarterbacks. So. I think Oklahoma State knows that to be, you know, a championship-level team, they need big-time quarterbacking. And Spencer Sanders, by far, in my opinion, gives them the chance to have that. Yeah, I think you're right about that with just the way that he can can stretch a defense and stress them. What, what's been your impressions so far, Barry, of uh, watching Iowa State and, and what they're able to do against Oklahoma and just what Matt Campbell uh, continues to assemble there in Ames? What, what do you think of just where they're at? I, I like everything about Iowa State except that season opener against Lafayette. I didn't like that. If Iowa State had won that game, Iowa State might be ranked fifth in the country. They really might be. Um, they just weren't ready to play. COVID makes all kinds of things goofy this year, so we can't hold it too much against them. But in conference play, they've done fantastic. You know, beating OU, coming from seven down in the fourth quarter, They've got a big-time offense. Right now, they've got the best offense in the Big 12. They've got a better offense than Oklahoma or Texas. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and they've always been playing pretty good defense in, in the Campbell era. So I like everything about this team. I think they're going to be in Arlington. Um, you know, they, when I was in uh, was it, uh, oh, was it at Jack Trice Stadium, yep. JK, we were there. And, uh, you know, I, of course, we're watching the field. We're not watching the game, but on the on the TV screen, they asked the question. I think it's the Aflac question of the game. You know, when's the last time Iowa State won a conference title? And um, I guessed in the 30s, but I act, I was mixed up. I was that actually was Kansas State uh, that won a couple in the 30s under Pappy Waldorf. <laughs> what happened? Iowa State's last conference title, I think, is either 1908 or 1912. I think it was 1912. And I looked it up, and they actually only tied for that one. Um, so, uh, you know, I think this is Iowa State's greatest – this is the chance to have, be the greatest season in Iowa State football history. They have spent one week in their life in the AP Top Ten. That was 2003. They lost to OU 52-9 to on Saturday, the next Saturday, and fell out. But this, is, this could be a very special season in Ames. And, you know, Matt Campbell's done a fabulous job. Saturday's a huge game. The winner of that game is basically the, the favorite to finish first in the conference standings. Yeah, a little throwback to Seneca Wallace there. I, I remember him. He, he was a great player uh, for, for them. Yeah, that's, that's right. Dan McCurney <laughs> yeah. coaching. That's right. Um, you know, given that these two teams, Barry, have played – pretty tight games through the years. Uh, Brock Purdy made his debut uh, in Stillwater. Um, there, there've been a lot of great games for these two teams. What do you, what do you see happening Saturday? Well, I think, uh, I think it will be tight. You know, one thing we've seen this year, guys, I'm sure you've talked about it in weeks past. We've had a preponderance of tight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than 50% of the games are one possession finishes. So it's been sort of fun football to watch. And I expect it to be close in Stillwater. I think uh, – I have no idea what's going to happen. I think Spencer Sanders is huge. If Illingworth has to go, then I don't know that I, OSU can stay with him. If Sanders is healthy, I think, you know, Chuba Hubbard and Tynan Wallace are big-time playmakers. And it'll be a, it'll be a fun game with, with teams uh, – you know, traditionally their strengths are – OSU offense, Iowa State defense, but the strengths of these teams might be reversed. Iowa State, like I said, has got the big-time offense. OSU's got what might be the Big 12's defense, best defense. OSU's got a bunch of safeties. 
that can uh, that can play and hit. I'm anxious to see how they match up with those Iowa State tight ends. Last time I saw Cyclones had 14 tight ends, I think, that are headed for the NFL. So, you know, they just – they've got a unique offense, and I like – I like everything about it, but that OSU defense is good. So I think it'll be a close game. I really do. I mean, this you think this – you just saw Red River. You saw as pretty clearly that right now those are not the two best teams in the Big 12. Do you think maybe this is the Big 12 game of the year for maybe the, the short term here? Yeah, I do because, you know, when you look at – let's say Oklahoma, everybody sort of thinks they'll get going and, and right themselves and be potent. But, heck, they're two games behind – Kansas State and Iowa State. Right. Just to get to Arlington. So, you know, and, and Iowa State gets the head to head there, you know? And and so does Kansas State. Right. Now, so does Kansas. Now, I think K State won't stay because they lost Skyler Thompson and I, you know, I expect them to fall. But in a way, OU's two and a half behind Iowa State. Sure. And so um, I think the winner has the clear inside track to, to get to Arlington the easiest. Um, and going into this season, we really thought that's the way – we thought these would, you know, be two of the top four teams. We didn't say the top two. We thought Oklahoma and Texas, you know, and maybe OSU pushes on that on that level, and then maybe Iowa State can put on a push on OSU. What's happened is these teams have, have come to the top, and um, OSU avoided disaster uh, in their opener against Tulsa. Iowa State didn't. That's why the Cowboys are ranked sixth in the country and the Cyclones are, you know, farther down. But I do think there's a chance these are the two best teams in the, in the league, at least right now. Well, Barry, I can't wait to celebrate Christmas with you at uh, the Texas Rangers ballpark on December 19th. Well, you know, I, I hope one of the Oklahoma teams makes it. Uh, <laughs> that's what I hope, you know. <laughs> you know, most years we go in, let's go, let's have a bedlam in Arlington. Uh, but after that 0-2 sooner start, you know, we're just saying, hey, just, either one of them makes it. Either one of them makes it. We'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be good. But um, I think one of them will. Like I said, K-State's a great story. They played great, beat no you, and then holding off Tech, holding off TCU. But without Skyler Thompson, they just don't have much offense. I'm going to be hard-pressed to see K-State stay up there in the top two. But I think Iowa State's got a great chance – even if they lose to Oklahoma State, they've got a great chance to be in that top two. Well, Barry, even despite the Deuce Vaughn slander right there, um, he's yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I, I thank you so much for joining us, Barry, uh, <laughs> and, and interrupting your vacation. Please tell Trish the dish we said thank you and that we're sorry. Yeah, thank for you so much, Barry. Interrupting. Glad to do it. Glad that you were just sitting here on the mountainside in uh, New Hampshire looking at the foliage. So you know, there's worse ways to spend an afternoon. Living your best life. Thank you, sir. That's it. See you guys. Thanks so much to Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman. That was great, uh, as as we knew it would be. Um, Barry Barry is uh, the dean of the Oklahoma sports media and uh, and a very good friend as well. So uh, great to, great to talk to Barry. Please subscribe to our show One True Pod on Apple or Spotify. Leave us a review and a good rating, and find our stories on the Athletic. If you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, you can sign up now for one dollar a month by going to theathletic.com/slash One True Pod. You don't just get the best college football coverage, you get all of our sports coverage. So be sure to take advantage. We'll see you next week.